Section 14 of Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Rights of Man, Part the First, being an answer to Mr. Burke's attack on the French Revolution. Part 11 of 13. It will be necessary here to show how taxes were formerly raised in France the king or rather the court or ministry acting under the use of that name framed the edicts for taxes at their own discretion and sent them to the parliaments to be registered for until they were registered by the parliaments they were not operative disputes had long existed between the court and the parliaments with respect to the extent of the parliament's authority on this head the court insisted that the authority of parliaments went no farther than to remonstrate or show reasons against the tax reserving to itself the right of determining whether the reasons were well or ill-founded and in consequence thereof either to withdraw the edict as a matter of choice or to order it to be unregistered as a matter of authority the parliaments on their part insisted that they had not only a right to remonstrate but to reject and on this ground they were always supported by the nation but to return to the order of my narrative monsieur calonne wanted money and as he knew the sturdy disposition of the parliaments with respect to new taxes he ingeniously sought either to approach them by a more gentle means than that of direct authority or to get over their heads by a manoeuvre and for this purpose he revived the project of assembling a body of men from the several provinces under the style of an assembly of the notables or men of note who met in seventeen eighty seven and who were either to recommend taxes to the parliaments or to act as a parliament themselves an assembly under this name had been called in sixteen seventeen as we are to view this as the first practical step towards the revolution it will be proper to enter into some particulars respecting it the assembly of the notables has in some places been mistaken for the states general but was wholly a different body the states general being always by election the persons who composed the assembly of the notables were all nominated by the king and consisted of one hundred and forty members but as m calonne could not depend upon a majority of this assembly in his favour he very ingeniously arranged them in such a manner as to make forty-four a majority of one hundred and forty to effect this he disposed of them into seven separate committees of twenty members each every general question was to be decided not by a majority of persons but by a majority of committee and as eleven votes would make a majority in a committee and four committees a majority of seven monsieur calonne had good reason to conclude that as forty-four would determine any general question he could not be outvoted but all his plans deceived him and in the event became his overthrow the then marquis de lafayette was placed in the second committee of which the count d'artois was president and as money matters were the object it naturally brought into view every circumstance connected with it Monsieur de lafayette made a verbal charge against calonne for selling crown lands to the amount of two millions of livres in a manner that appeared to be unknown to the king the count d'artois as if to intimidate for the bastille was then in being asked the marquis if he would render the charge in writing he replied that he would the count d'artois did not demand it but brought a message from the king to that purport Monsieur de lafayette then delivered in his charge in writing to be given to the king undertaking to support it 
no farther proceedings were had upon this affair but monsieur calonne was soon after dismissed by the king and set off to england as monsieur de lafayette from the experience of what he had seen in america was better acquainted with the science of civil government than the generality of the members who composed the assembly of the notables could then be the brunt of the business fell considerably to his share the plan of those who had a constitution in view was to contend with the court on the ground of taxes and some of them openly professed their object disputes frequently arose between count d'artois and monsieur de lafayette upon various subjects with respect to the arrears already incurred the latter proposed to remedy them by accommodating the expenses to the revenue instead of the revenue to the expenses and as objects of reform he proposed to abolish the bastille and all the state prisons throughout the nation the keeping of which was attended with great expense and to suppress letters de cachet but those matters were not then much attended to and with respect to letters de cachet a majority of the nobles appeared to be in favor of them on the subject of supplying the treasury by new taxes the assembly declined taking the matter on themselves concurring in the opinion that they had not authority in a debate on this subject m de lafayette said that raising money by taxes could only be done by a national assembly freely elected by the people and acting as their representatives do you mean said the count d'artois the states general m de lafayette replied that he did will you said the count d'artois sign what you say to be given to the king the others replied that he would not only do this but that he would go farther and say that the effectual mode would be for the king to agree to the establishment of a constitution as one of the plans had thus failed that of getting the assembly to act as a parliament the other came into view that of recommending on this subject the assembly agreed to recommend two new taxes to be unregistered by the parliament the one a stamp tax and the other a territorial tax or sort of land tax the two have been estimated at about five million sterling per annum we have now to turn our attention to the parliaments on whom the business was again devolving the archbishop of thoulouse since archbishop of sens and now a cardinal was appointed to the administration of the finances soon after the dismission of cologne he was also made prime minister an office that did not always exist in france when this office did not exist the chief of each of the principal departments transacted business immediately with the king but when a prime minister was appointed they did business only with him the archbishop arrived to more state authority than any minister since the duc de choiseul and the nation was strongly disposed in his favor but by a line of conduct scarcely to be accounted for he perverted every opportunity turned out a despot and sunk into disgrace and a cardinal the assembly of the notables having broken up the minister sent the edicts for the two new taxes recommended by the assembly to the parliaments to be unregistered they of course came first before the parliament of paris who returned for answer quote, that with such a revenue as the nation then supported the name of taxes ought not to be mentioned but for the purpose of reducing them end quote, and threw both the edicts out on this refusal the parliament was ordered to versailles where in the usual form the king held what under the old government was called a bed of justice and the two edicts were unregistered in presence of the parliament by an order of state in the manner mentioned earlier 
on this the parliament immediately returned to paris renewed their session in form and ordered the enregistering to be struck out declaring that everything done at versailles was illegal all the members of the parliament were then served with lettres de cachet and exiled to troyes but as they continued as inflexible in exile as before and as vengeance did not supply the place of taxes they were after a short time recalled to paris the edicts were again tendered to them and the count d'artois undertook to act as representative of the king for this purpose he came from versailles to paris in a train of procession and the parliament were assembled to receive him but show and parade had lost their influence in france and whatever ideas of importance he might set off with he had to return with those of mortification and disappointment on alighting from his carriage to ascend the steps of the parliament house the crowd which was numerously collected threw out trite expressions saying quote, this is monsieur d'artois who wants more of our money to spend End quote the marked disapprobation which he saw impressed him with apprehensions and the word aux armes to arms was given out by the officer of the guard who attended him it was so loudly vociferated that it echoed through the avenues of the house and produced a temporary confusion i was then standing in one of the apartments through which he had to pass and could not avoid reflecting how wretched was the condition of a disrespected man he endeavored to impress the parliament by great words and opened his authority by saying quote, the king our lord and master end quote. the parliament received him very coolly and with their usual determination not to register the taxes and in this manner the interview ended after this a new subject took place in the various debates and contests which arose between the court and the parliaments on the subject of taxes the parliament of paris at last declared that although it had been customary for parliaments to enregister edicts for taxes as a matter of convenience the right belonged only to the states general and that therefore the parliament could no longer with propriety continue to debate on what it had not authority to act the king after this came to paris and held a meeting with the parliament in which he continued from ten in the morning till about six in the evening and in a manner that appeared to proceed from him as if unconsulted upon with the cabinet or ministry gave his word to the parliament that the states-general should be convened but after this another scene arose on a ground different from all the former the minister and the cabinet were averse to calling the states-general they well knew that if the states-general were assembled themselves must fall and as the king had not mentioned any time they hit on a project calculated to elude without appearing to oppose for this purpose the court set about making a sort of constitution itself it was principally the work of monsieur lamoignon the keeper of the seals who afterwards shot himself this new arrangement consisted in establishing a body under the name of a corps plénière or full court in which were invested all the powers that the government might have occasion to make use of the persons composing this court were to be nominated by the king the contended right of taxation was given up on the part of the king and a new criminal code of laws and laws proceeding was substituted in the room of the former the thing in many points contained better principles than those upon which the government had hitherto been administered but with respect to the court plénière it was no other than a medium through which despotism was to pass without appearing to act directly from itself 
the cabinet had high expectations from their new contrivance the people who were to compose the corps plenier were already nominated and as it was necessary to carry a fair appearance many of the best characters in the nation were appointed among the number it was to commence on may eighth seventeen eighty eight but an opposition arose to it on two grounds the one as a principle the other as a form on the ground of principle it was contended that government had not a right to alter itself and that if the practice was once admitted it would grow into a principle and be made a precedent for any future alterations that government might wish to establish that the right of altering the government was a national right and not a right of government and on the ground of form it was contended that the corps plenier was nothing more than a larger cabinet the then duc de la rochefoucauld luxembourg de noels and many others refused to accept the nomination and strenuously opposed the whole plan when the edict for establishing this new court was sent to parliaments to be unregistered and put into execution they resisted also the parliament of paris not only refused but denied the authority and the contest renewed itself between the parliament and the cabinet more strongly than ever while the parliament were sitting in debate on this subject the ministry ordered a regiment of soldiers to surround the house and form a blockade the members sent out for beds and provisions and lived as in a besieged citadel and as this had no effect the commanding officer was ordered to enter the parliament house and seize them which he did and some of the principal members were shut up in different prisons about the same time a deputation of persons arrived from the province of brittany to remonstrate against the establishment of the corps plenier and those the archbishop sent to the bastille but the spirit of the nation was not to be overcome and it was so fully sensible of the strong ground it had taken that of withholding taxes that it contented itself with keeping up a sort of quiet resistance which effectually overthrew all the plans at that time formed against it the project of the corps plenier was at last obliged to be given up and the prime minister not long afterwards followed its fate and m neckar was recalled into office the attempt to establish the corps plenier had an effect upon the nation which itself did not perceive it was a sort of new form of government that insensibly served to put the old one out of sight and to unhinge it from the superstitious authority of antiquity it was government dethroning government and the old one by attempting to make a new one made a chasm end of part 11 of 13